Hello, and welcome to Sprott Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Partner at Sprott Asset Management. I'm pleased to once again welcome back Per Jandir, Director at WMC. Per, as always, thank you for joining Sprott Radio. Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me on again. It's great to be back. Per, I feel like we talk about every other month, but so much has been going on in the uranium market. Let's start with giving a snapshot or a recap of what happened in 2023. If you look back in 23, I think we started the year at about $50 a pound, and it was kind of a slow kind of march up to 60 in about August, September. And it was a lot of utilities involved, not so many investors. And right around the big uh, conference in London in September, early September every year, then a lot of investors came in and you had um, five, six bids leapfrogging each other. The market moved pretty rapidly from, from $60 up to 70 actually even low 70s. And then right before Q4 started, Kassadomprom, the big Kazakh producer, made an announcement that it was going to start a pretty rapid expansion and uprate of its production. So that kind of put a little bit, not a wet blanket, but the, for the first time of the year, more or less, we actually saw a couple of dollars decline in the spot price because we were like, oh, here we go. Here's, here's the big giant has woken up and is going to start producing. Prices tricked it down, but then what you saw was that both utilities and producers and traders and funds kind of started picking like, ah, it feels like it's pretty affordable because it wasn't obvious where the relief was going to come because these ramp ups are still pretty far out in time. Then when you marched a little bit later into Q4, uh, we had the big COP meeting in the United Arab Emirates, which was a very large event for the nuclear community. You had about 20, 25 countries announce that they're going to triple their nuclear capacity by 2050, which is even in the most bullish scenarios up to date, it hasn't even been even near that. So if that's about to happen, well, uranium demand is going through the roof here in the next uh, couple of decades. So that clearly helped the sentiment for the industry over more long term, of course, but then early December, it's kind of been talk of U.S. sanctions on, on Russian uh, enriched uranium for quite some time, but nothing really happened. And all of a sudden, it sprang into action and it got passed in the House of Representatives. And then uh, it was just a matter of the Senate to approve it. I think everybody was taken by surprise. So the market clearly reacted to this as well. But it got held up. And uh, for the time being, it's a little unclear when it's going to happen. But we can touch on that when we talk a little bit about 24. But overall, the market went from 70s, uh, low 70s, up to about $90 a pound at the end of the year. So quite a rapid increase and a very healthy mix of parties involved in the spot price activity. So you saw utilities buying all the way up. You did see some producers come in there. And certainly the, the regular traders and funds uh, were, were active as well. So quite an eventful year and uh, set the stage quite nicely for, uh, for this year. To that point, let's talk about this year because I remember about a year and a half ago when, you know, it was sitting around 30 bucks, what seemed like forever, even lower. And then it got over 50 for the first time. And the question I remember asking, I went back and listened, have investors missed it? And we talked about that. Now we're at 100, you know, actually over 100. What's going on now? How should investors be looking at this going forward? What should one be looking at or for in 2024? What are some of the things going on out there? 
Well, I think uh, one of the main reasons why we're at 106, I believe it is right now, it went up quite aggressively even from January 1. It was that the by far the largest producer, Casadomprom, issued a press release, basically with just a warning saying that we're probably not going to meet our targets for 24 and 25. There were no numbers involved. Well, we're going to put more numbers on this and we're going to put more uh, thorough update on our uh, Q4 call on February 1st. Uh, but at least this announcement came out and it was a pretty wild day on equities and even the spot price quite rapidly increased as well, which just goes to show that, I mean, I think a lot of people were maybe not certain that the CASAGs could ramp up as quickly as they had said they would. But this was at least sort of a, an indication that, yeah, this is not going to happen. And clearly the Iranian market is very reliant on the CASAG flow of material. So it will be very interesting to see what's happening on, on the CASAC frontier in, in a couple of weeks. And then shortly after, we got Cameco with some numbers as well. They clearly had some production issues last year, albeit not very large. They say they've handled them, but at least it will be good to see some proper numbers here in a couple of weeks too. So interesting times ahead for that, for sure. Uh, we're keeping an eye on utilities as well. They've kind of been slogging along and sort of they're certainly in the market and issuing RFPs every now and then. To me, the biggest issue here is what to keep an eye out for is, or at least what to be aware of, if it feels like, oh, it's a hundred bucks, we kind of missed a train, is that it's not obvious where the relief is going to come from. We're very short in the market. There's clearly a structural deficit. Demand is outstripping supply and it's not clear to me when that's going to stop. If you look at times ahead where are we now triple digits which you haven't been since 2007 but it's still not obvious when is the supply coming in to sort of dampen this upward pressure that we have so in talking to price reporters and consultants over the last couple of weeks too it feels still that the downside is very limited the higher you go it kind of sets the floor is going to be say five dollars or below where you are right now and then the upside is still quite uncapped. I think it can go a lot higher. I'm not quite sure when and how much, but it's it's a very, very skewed risk profile with a lot more upside and downside. I mean, you've got two major players saying that they could potentially have production issues. You can only imagine some of the other players out there and some of the mines that basically haven't been in production trying to go back into production. It's not going to be flipping a switch on just moving forward. So I, I suspect this type of volatility slash opportunity is going to remain in the market for some time, given the backdrop we're seeing right now. And given what you're saying, um, I think there's there's some tremendous opportunity out there to be thinking about this. Let's go to something you said a second ago about utilities. A couple of years back, we were talking utilities weren't really kind of front and center. Each time we talk, I hear you talk more about utilities. Where are they right now? What's going on in that world as it relates to uranium? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they clearly been active. They've been a lot more active than what they have in the previous decade, I would say. Like last year, you get some published number on the long-term contracting, which is the main market where utilities are active. They're not on the spot market buying a lot of material, even though you do see them actually quite a lot more than we're used to. But the absolute majority of their contracting is happening on a bilateral basis with the primary suppliers of uranium or and all the other conversion and enrichment, all the other nuclear fuel services. For the first time in over a decade, the contracting was almost at replacement rates. 
you're writing as many new contracts as the uranium you're burning in your reactors uh, as an industry as a whole. This doesn't happen for a long time, which means that you've been running down your inventories all along. Clear, there's been a lot of it, surplus materials sloshing around in the market, but still, overall, people haven't replenished their inventories quite some time. And at some point, you're going to have to start doing that. And I think we're getting there now. I mean, it's a pretty clunky way of counting, but even just the amount of tenders being out there. I mean, it could be small, it could be for a couple of years of fairly small volumes, or they can be enormous, like the Korean ones that are out for over six and a half million pounds. We were just counting them uh, with some colleagues here the other day, and we're, we're thinking there's at least 10, 12 of them in the coming six, eight months. So there is still coming out in the market, and this is on a global level. It's not any specific region is more active than another. Europe, I would think, were a little ahead of the curve compared to the other ones because the proximity to Russia. I mean, it's much more of an everyday reminder of the conflict in Ukraine when you are in Europe. So they were definitely ahead of the curve when getting to sort of mitigate a bit of the risk that they saw with if there were going to be any issues with with Russian supplies. But that has certainly spread now. We see uh, we see the North Americans, South Americans, utilities across the globe. They're uh, just overall ramping up their activity. Well, that's probably one of the more exciting things, I think, to think about as, as more investors look to enter this market. I know we've got more news to come in the coming weeks. But we'd love to have you back on to hear what's going to happen, what's been announced and so forth. Before we sign off, though, is there any last points you'd like to make on today's market or any highlights that I maybe didn't ask that you want to deliver? No, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. But I will reiterate these two earnings calls that we're looking at in early February. I cannot overstate how, how important they are. Casadon Prom in particular, that's February 1. Really pay attention to that. We've been discussing that too. Like what is the market expecting the shortfall to be? Say 5, 10%, maybe that's probably what people think. Anything more than that could potentially have a very large impact on the market. Of course, there's different ways that if you're a supplier and you can't meet your targets, how do you address that? And they did say in the in the press release that came out a couple of weeks ago that we are going to make all our deliveries for 2024. So that's clearly a statement that I think they will live up to. But are they going to buy in the market to cover that? Sure, you can talk to your main customers and say that, hey, we're having some production issues. Do you mind taking your deliveries a little later? course that's up to the customers to agree to that if they will but that's one way of at least trying to ease the pain a little bit or lower the risk here but it will be extremely important that particular call on february 1 and then also absolutely keep an eye on, on cameco as well because cameco also have assets in kazakhstan so they will clearly have an update there as well on that and then also to see that their flagship productions at MacArthur River and Cigar Lake, that they are producing the way it should. And, and I think they will. We'll have to hear it from Cameco, but it clearly isn't easy. And Tim Gitzel, the CEO of Cameco, is the first one to say, too, that, I mean, mining isn't easy. Sure, it isn't easy to build nuclear reactors either, but you have a pretty good line of sight to when the demand is coming on. Mm -hmm. But the supply, there are some uncertainties there for sure. And we have a lot of mines that haven't been operating for quite some time that are scheduled to come on this year. It'll be a very interesting year with, I think, most of the uncertainties, certainly on the supply side. So uh, I'll be more than happy to come back in a few weeks here and see what happens after these announcements here in early February. And then we'll take it from there. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. As always, Paris, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us once again. For all the listeners who like to hear you know, what Pear and, and WMC have to say, 
you know, I always encourage you to go to their website. They've got some really cool pieces on there and, and some research pieces and thought pieces. You can go to WMC Group, G-R-O-U-P.com, and take a look at what they're up to there. Until then, Pero, look forward to speaking to you towards the end of February. And once again, I'm your host, Ed Coyne, and, and thank you all for listening to Sprott Radio. Thanks a lot, Ed. This podcast is provided for information purposes only from sources believed to be reliable. However, Sprott does not warrant its completeness or accuracy. Any opinions and estimates constitute our judgment as of the date of this material and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This communication is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Any opinions and recommendations herein do not take into account individual client circumstances, objectives or needs and are not intended as recommendations of particular securities, financial instruments or strategies. You must make your own independent decisions regarding any securities, financial instruments or strategies mentioned or related to the information herein. This communication may not be redistributed or retransmitted in whole or in part or in any form or manner without the express written consent of Sprott. Any unauthorized use or disclosure is prohibited. Receipt and review of this information constitutes your agreement not to redistribute or retransmit the contents and information contained in this communication without first obtaining express permission from an authorized officer of Sprott.